Wow, Ira, hard to believe we're retiring another new year. Anyway, this is our last podcast of 2022. Hello, everyone. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. We are, of course, Hall of Fame voters, joined each and every week by our Hall of Fame producer, Ian Glendon. And Ira, first things first, before we move on to the new year, how was your holiday? It was outstanding because uh, we had my brother with us uh, for a couple of days. Um, quick story. There, there's a website. Uh, I don't know if uh, our guest knows about this, Clark, or you. There's a website called Gold Belly where you can order food from all over the United States. If you want Texas barbecue at a Houston restaurant, you can order it. It's not cheap, but they know how to package things and it shows up at your door. And so I ordered it for my brother and uh, to be here for in time for uh, his arrival, some breakfast stuff, bagels. And um, Clark, I took him to the airport yesterday. He's going home to uh, La Quinta, California. Wow. But the box showed up two hours after he left for the airport. I mean, you, you can't make that stuff up. You, you can't make that stuff up. That's right. What's the name of it? Gold Belly? Gold Belly. Gold yeah, Belly. Sometimes I think I'm looking at that when I uh, leave the <laughs> dinner table at Christmas time. Anyway, a quick question for you, Ira. If I order PDQ gold, gold Belly food and say that I know Ira Kaufman, the sage of Tampa, do I get it free? You get a 10% surcharge. A surcharge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Ian, how was your Christmas? Uh, it was very good, relaxing. Um, I mean, it could have gone better with the Patriots, but hey, you know, I've I've come to accept their fate each and every week, so it makes it a little bit easier. But uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, it was capped off by a, another Tom Brady comeback, and uh, I can't get much better than that. So I know, I know, it was great being around family, but the reality of it was that the win for the Buccaneers was far more improbable and something I, I cherish a lot more right now. So I gather, since you say you can't get much better than that, that Gold Belly did not arrive at your address. No, no, they, they shipped via Southwest Airlines, and uh, I'm supposed to get it in April, so. Well, you got to talk to Ira. You and he live in the same area code, so talk to Ira. Um, both you guys, uh, what are you going to remember most about 2022, Ira? Uh, for me, uh, I'm going to remember uh, our trip to New York uh, last summer. Um Four nights, we saw three Broadway plays. We don't fool around. We don't fool around, Clark. Uh, and good health, oh, above all, good health. All right, thanks for the phone call. We're two hours east of New York. Thanks for that phone call. Uh, Ian, how about you? <laughs> uh, to, to, to keep it very uh, appropriate for the show, it was my first uh, year going to the Hall of Fame ceremony, and that was one okay. of uh, several trips I did take this year. Not, not to, you know, some were work-related. Uh, but uh, going to the Hall of Fame and experiencing that for the first time was was definitely a highlight of my year. And, of course, going to the prison that they filmed Shawshank Redemption at. Oh, yeah. Oh. Right. Um, for us, it was our daughter getting into the school of her choice. That'd be Colorado State University and going to visit that. But then it was also, unlike Ira, for the unrelenting grip of COVID. We both got it. My wife and I both got it when we came back. Uh, we had it for three and a half weeks and are actually just coming out of it now, but maybe realize what uh, others have gone through. And I'm talking about much more severe cases. I didn't think this would be this bad, but it just won't quit throughout this country. So it seems like it's here to stay. Anyway, that was then. This is now, Rara. And we've got some Hall of Fame voting coming up. That would be next week. In fact, I think it's Tuesday and January 3rd. But we move on from our 28 modern era semifinalists to our 15 finalists 
who will be discussed and voted on later in the month by Zoom call. So Ira, whom are you rooting for? I'm not asking you who you think is going to get in. Who are you rooting for? Well, Clark, that's an obvious question and an even more obvious answer. Number 20, Buccaneers, Rondé Barber, back for the third time as a finalist. Third time, he made progress. Clark, you're always monitoring progress in that room. He made progress. Uh, I'm curious to see what our guest thinks, but I think he's on the doorstep, Clark. No guarantees, but he's close. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have anyone to pitch to the group, but I'm rooting for... Heinz Ward, we've talked about him on here before, a seven-time semifinalist. He could catch, he could block, he could run, he could do everything. Uh, I just want to see him discussed, and he keeps getting left at the doorstep. I don't understand why. I think when we had Rick Gosling on here about a month ago, he said he thought he was the best of the wide receivers. But he hasn't gotten any farther than this. I'd like to see him get one step farther, at least get in that room. And, but also, um, two other guys, and they're friends of the show. Um, Henry Ellard and Albert Lewis. The reason it's the last year of eligibility. Yeah. If they don't get discussed now, they go into the senior pool. You know what happens there? N nothing. Um, anyway, for more on this subject, you've heard I refer to our guests. We do have a guest. We've invited another friend of the show, that'd be historian John Turney of Pro Football Journal. And John, before we dive into your picks, I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked Ira. Is there anyone in those 28 that you're rooting for? Yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for Albert Lewis. It's kind of an emotional choice because he, he got forgotten, in my opinion. I think he's somebody who, if you followed football in the 80s, you, he always got mentioned when the telecast came on, how, how good people thought he was. They would single him out. He, he also was a dominant special teams player he won games by blocking punts and he just was always kind of thought of as somebody that was in the class of, of Mike Haynes and and Lester Hayes at the time and he's somebody that I, I hope gets a, a fair hearing and I expect him to be on the final 15 I don't know if he will be but I think he'll get his his chance to be discussed well I hope you're right um we've had five first year eligibles in this group, John, you know that. Joe Thomas, Darrell Rivas, Dwight Freeney, friend of the show, Jari Evans, and James Harrison. Who in that group do you think is most likely to move forward? Now, Joe Thomas and, and Darrell Rivas are no brainers. I mean, they're gonna, they probably would be first ballot Hall of Famers, so they're gonna move forward. But of that group, Freeney, Evans, Harrison, who's the most likely of that group to move forward? Well, I would I would think it was Dwight Freeney just because he was all pro the most. He was a a guy who was all decade and he was somebody who was the most flashy. He had a signature move that that inside spin move that and I hate saying somebody changed the game because so few players did. But let's just say a lot of these younger players who've come along have copied that move. It's something that's a staple of the game now. Prior to him, coaches discouraged that kind of move. They didn't like pass rushers to turn their back to the passer. It just was something that it just was not sound football, but now they do it. So I would think 
I would think he would be one that would be in the final 15. John, one more question before Art jumps in here on that subject. Freeney versus Robert Mathis. They're both semifinalists. Played on the same team. They have the same job. Go get the quarterback. Freeney had 125 and a half sacks. Mathis had 123 sacks. But Mathis had, I think, and you've got the information, more fumble recoveries. So how do you handicap those two? Yeah, that's pretty difficult. Uh, I would say the separator is is probably who was the starter and and who wasn't more in their career. Now, you're right. Uh, Mathis had 54 forced fumbles, and that's the most that we've seen in tracking those. And that includes guys prior to it becoming semi-official, including guys like Deacon Jones and Bruce Smith and Reggie White. Mathis had 54, Dwight Freeney had 47. But also remember that Mathis spent, oh, several years as a designated pass stretcher, five of his, his years. And a lot of those were his best years. So he would come off the bench. And for better or for worse, I think that that would be something that's not as highly regarded in terms of historical value. You, you would think a guy who's a every down player, even if he wasn't as good at, at, at the run as some of the other Hall of Fame defensive ends. So I think that would be the separator. Also being a first team all pro more often as Freeney was would be another separator. So that's, that's kind of, I think, how the voters might look at it. And at least that's how they've done things historically. I, I want to ask you, John, uh, about uh, the position that um, has more candidates uh, in the semifinalist stage than any other, uh, and that's wide receiver. Uh, and, John, we've talked about this. Um, the names are Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne, Anquan Bolden, Henry Ellard, Steve Smith, Heinz Ward. John, we've been through this log jam before, Clark and I, the days of uh, Andre Reed and Chris Carter. Um, and finally, things broke through. And I think three straight years, they each one of them got in. Um, what do you see about this log jam at, at wide receiver? Who, who rises uh, near the top in, in your eyes? Well, I think Holt and Wayne are going to be on the final 15. They've been on it several times before. I think um, maybe four times each. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking Henry Ellard, like, like Albert Lewis, might get that last-time eligibility card, if you will, um, and maybe Heinz Ward, because a lot of people think because he was an all-around player and did the blocking, he might get a shot. Um, Henry Ellard is interesting in that if you look at – not thousand yard seasons, but 1300 yard seasons, which I think should be the threshold, a modern threshold for a great year. Because in, when there were 12 game seasons, that's when the thousand yard season was, was considered remarkable. These days, a thousand yard season should be expected. That's almost average. You maybe could call it a, a decent year, but is that a great year? Henry Ellard had four of those kind of years, 1,300 yards. Andre Johnson had four, only had four of those, and Reggie Wayne only had four of those. Uh, Torrey Holt 
had six of them. So you might give him a little bit of an advantage. But 1,300 yards ought to be the standard. So that's kind of how I would rank them, except Andre Johnson had more of the, you know, maybe a giant year. He had three years that were very close to 1,600 yards. So that, I think, in the voters' mind, might put him ahead of Johnson. But Holt was, is right there neck and neck with him. But physically, Johnson was the most imposing. That's kind of how I see it. I think you make a great point about the new standard, uh, John, for receivers. I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I'm watching the Bucks every week here in Tampa uh, and, and our producer, Ian Glendon. Um, John, uh, Mike Evans is not having a good season. He's gone 11 straight games without a touchdown catch. It's kind of hard to believe. He's got this streak of 1,000-yard seasons. I think he, you know, he probably needs 120 yards in the last two games to get it. Um, and you're right, John. 1,000 yards, it, it just ain't what it uh, used to be, especially with, with a 17-game season. John, quick question. On the edge rushers, the edge rushers, you already talked about Freeney. Jared Allen can't seem to get enough traction to get uh, out of that 15 and get into that final five. Um, and now you got DeMarcus Ware. Um, and, John, next year, Julius Peppers will, will lead the first-year eligible players. Julius Peppers. Um, I don't want to give away my vote, but uh, he's going to be tough to uh, deny, I think. Um, what about DeMarcus Ware? John, were you surprised in 2022? that he didn't get in, and what are his chances uh, for next year's group? Well, uh, for DeMarcus Ware, I believe he's going to get in this year. I think he had a strong case for, for getting in last year. I just think it was a, a kind of a numbers game. They had to get somebody in in the, in, the, in the last chance kind of category in Sam Mills. But right. any time you have somebody who's a, a five-time All-Pro, he in, in as many Pro Bowls as he went to and as many sacks, he was somebody who kind of checked all the boxes. So I think he's going in this year. I think that doesn't bode well for, for Jared Allen. And then, as you mentioned, somebody who also checked all the boxes is coming up in Julius Peppers. He had an inordinate amount of sacks. He, he almost had 160, and he had tons of Pro Bowls, and he was a four-time All-Pro and a second-team All-Pro twice. Now, he he did get a championship, so that kind of maybe doesn't bode well for him as much, but that that really doesn't matter as much as it used to in the old days. Remember when you had guys like Carl Eller, who was a five-time All-Pro, but he got dinged year after year after year because they said he was on a team that didn't win a Super Bowl. That's how tough it was back with those old guys back in the 1990s and and. 1980s voters. So I think you're right. I think Julius Peppers is probably going to get in before Jared Allen. I think that could possibly happen. We're speaking with historian John Turney on the I test for two and John's with Pro Football Journal. And, and John, uh, I know that Ira asked you about wide receivers. He just checked in with you on pass rushers. I'm going to ask you about another position, running back. We've got two of them, Fred Taylor, Ricky Waters. Now, they've got some momentum in a sense in that they each have been semifinalists the last few years. Uh, Taylor, the last four, 
Waters, including this year. Uh, Waters, the last three. So at least they've got some men- momentum. They're going forward. But I don't understand why there doesn't seem to be more interest. Fred Taylor ranked 17th all-time in rushing, has over 11,000 yards. Every Hall of Fame eligible player ahead of him is in the Hall. And Ricky Waters is 24th. He's got over 10,000 yards. We know what he was as a pass receiver. I think I've expressed to Ira before and Ian on this, tele- on this uh, broadcast that, to me, the, the downfall of the 49ers, and I say downfall when they ended that, that run early in the 90s, Coincided with Ricky Waters' departure. They never could replace him. They never could. They tried to do it with Derek LaVille in 95, and then they had Garrison Hurst. They never could replace that guy. But he doesn't seem to have any momentum either. Do you think either of these two moves forward? I think of the two, Fred Taylor has the better chance. I think Ricky Waters, because he moved around quite a bit, he's not going to have a lot of support from any of the voters from his team. They're not going to kind of do the the backroom talking that goes on the the phone calls or the emails or the text saying, Hey, this guy really deserves a chance. He's, he's not going to have the, the, you know, the the support because all those voters are going to have somebody else that they're interested in and trying to push and promote. Fred Taylor has strong support from the Jacksonville voter, of course, and, and so he's going to be more dedicated to, to pushing Fred Taylor. I think the problem with the running backs is there's a lot of guys that are right about the same when it comes to statistics and honors and all the things, and even the eye test. Fred Taylor's one of them. Steven Jackson's another one. So they're all really hard to separate. But somehow Fred Taylor is moving forward, uh, and that's a good sign when I was picking and did a post on who I thought the final 15 would be, uh, I put Henry Ellard as number 15, Darren Woodson as number 16, and Fred Taylor as number 17, which means I really couldn't decide who was going to quite make it. So I think there is a lot of momentum with Fred Taylor. I thought maybe he's going to get it. And I put Ricky Waters as number 28. For some reason, I just don't think he's ever going to make it. Uh, I think part of it is intangibles. When he made that statement, when he wouldn't go up for a for a, a reception, you remember his comments. You know, for who? For, who? for what? Yeah, I, I think that that's part of the Hall of Fame is intangibles, and yeah. and toughness is one of them. I'm not saying he wasn't tough. I think he probably was, but he probably shouldn't have said that either. Okay, I'm going to give you a softball here. Compliments of Ira Kaufman. He had nothing to do with it, but I'm going to ask you anyway. He says he's rooting for Rondé Barber to get in. It's among the 15. And I told him, you don't need to worry. He's in my top five. And I think he's in a lot of people's top five. Unless, of course, the presenter, i.e. Ira Kaufman, somehow screws this up. But I don't think that will happen because Ira is one of the best, if not the best presenter on that board. Where do you have Rondé Barber on your board? Um, I listed him in kind of the order that I thought they would get in. And I have him fifth, and I probably should have put him sixth, unfortunately, for for Ira. Because I just noticed that a lot of voters, they'll divide their ballot among teams and also among positions. And I don't know if they would put two cornerbacks on, on their final five ballot when they cut from 10 to five. I'm pretty sure Rondy's going to be in the top 10. But you have a cornerback log jam, if you will. I think there's going to be some sentiment for Albert Lewis. 
And Rondé Barber was in the top 10 last year. But you've got a first-time eligible Darrell Revis, who's, I put, predicted as a 95% lock. And I think Andre Johnson's probably going to be the top 10 guy that moves up to the top five. So the last slot, I think, is between Zach Thomas and Rondé Barber. That's at least the way I see it. I think Joe Thomas is a a lock. Darrell Revis is a lock. DeMarcus Ware is a lock. Andre Johnson is pretty close. So it's between Zach and Rondé, the way I see it. But, John, I will tell you this. I talked about two corners in the same class. We had Ty Law going in the same class as Champ Bailey, so they weren't reluctant to do that. Okay. Uh, I stand corrected then. You're right. I think think you're a pretty good handicapper, Uh, John. I think you're right. I think Zach Thomas is right there. Um, I got Rondé ahead of Andre Johnson, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little biased on this point. Um, John, let's talk about the glamour position uh, of professional football. Um, there's no quarterback, John, zero on these 28 semifinalists. Uh, the class, uh, uh, next year's class, uh, is dominated, I think, by Julius Peppers. I don't see a quarterback on there. John, we may not be talking seriously about somebody under center until 2025 when I believe Eli Manning will be eligible. And I think that's going to be a heck of a battle in that room. And so does Clark judge. Um, where's all the quarterbacks, John? Well, there certainly has been a, a void. Uh, I would ask you guys where they are because you're the ones that do the voting. Uh, there's one quarterback who's interesting that there are some of the fans on Twitter that are pushing. And his name is Randall Cunningham. He's got, I believe, three more years before he's out of the pool and goes into the seniors pool. He had some really great years. He's somebody who, if he played now, would be an ideal type quarterback and fit in right with because he had the the legs to go with it. He had he didn't have three MVP years with the AP MVP, but he had an NEA MVP and a Writers Association MVP. And as you guys know, those were major awards at the time. And the Pro Football Writers Association MVP is still a major award. Players get bonuses for it. The Hall of Fame accepts it and puts it in their bios. But the problem, as I see it, is he had a lot of bad years and he got hurt a lot. And he got benched a lot. So he's the only one that could come up in the next three years. And maybe he might get one of those last chance shots. So I would ask you guys about him. Um, John, I'm going to turn that one over to Clark, uh, but I'm going to ask you one, one quick one, John. And this one, this one really rankles me a little bit. I, I don't know how you guys feel about it, John. This Super Bowl, you know, qualification, um, while I think it, it's, you know, much more conducive to apply to a quarterback or a coach, um, John, I'm, I, I'm not going to blame the left guard because his team didn't win a Super Bowl. I, uh, uh, it, it comes up a lot in the room, John, and, and I just don't think it's a, it's a non-qualifier for a lot of these positions. I 100% agree with that. I think it was used as a weapon against teams like 
the Minnesota Vikings back in the 80s. I think a lot of those voters, and I, I won't name the names, but it, it was used uh, to assassinate the candidacy of a lot of great players. In, and it promoted players who uh, kind of got uh, a boost because they were on a great team. And, and most of them were qualified. I'm not saying that it was uh, putting guys in that were not qualified, but I'll give you one example. In 1987, Jim Langer got in as a first ballot Hall of Famer, and Alan Page did not get in as a first ballot Hall of Famer. And the reason in the, in the arguments in the room is why one got in first and the other did not is because of the, the one-game matchup in the Super Bowl. And Alan Page did win a Super Bowl in his four tries. But if you compare the players' careers, I don't think anybody would ever say that Alan Page had the lesser career. But Jim Langer won two Super Bowls. Now, of course, Jim Langer is a highly qualified player and should have gotten the Hall of Fame. And you could say he was a first ballot guy, but it was a full class. There wasn't room for eight players. So Alan Page got snubbed, in my opinion. Here's one somebody who's on the Mount Rushmore of defensive tackles. And he was not a first ballot Hall of Famer because of the Super, ba- uh, the Super Bowl uh, qualification. And I thought that was just absurd. Okay, John, final question from me. Let's cut to the quick. Give me your 15. Okay, the ones I wrote in my blog, and I'm going to stick to it, Joe Thomas, Darrell Revis, DeMarcus Ware, Zach Thomas, Rondé Barber, Andre Johnson, Albert Lewis, Devin Hester, Patrick Willis, Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Dwight Freeney, Torrey Holt, Reggie Wayne, and Henry Ellers. John Turney, Pro Football Journal, thanks so much for the insight. We're going to be catching up with you again soon. Thank you so much, John. Thanks, John. No, thank you. Thank you. That was historian John Turney of Pro Football Journal. And Ira, I I kind of agree with that list. I I think Albert Lewis is going to get in the room. I think he's going to get some legs like Sam Mills did last year, like uh, Clay Matthews did the year before. But like Clay Matthews, I don't think there's enough momentum for him to cross the finish line. I hope I'm wrong. Um, and you probably hope I'm wrong too, because, um, you've been a big supporter of, of, of his, but I, I do think at this juncture, we've got probably Revis and Thomas as first ballot guys. I look then where is my third guy. Barber is yep. my fourth. And then there's an X factor for the fifth. It's either in my mind, it's either Zach Thomas or, um, Albert Lewis. And I don't think Lewis has enough momentum. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. That's a good handicap. Uh, I throw Andre Johnson into the mix too. Uh, Clark, I know what John Turney did, uh, but I'm with you. One, two, three. I think it's going to be Thomas and Revis. And by the way, Clark, and I think our listeners need to know this. You know, why didn't our guy get in? Why didn't our guy get in? Clark, when you got two first-year eligibles that are almost assured of a gold jacket, that leaves 13 people for three spots, Clark. That's right. That's right. That's not easy, Clark. That's not easy. Not easy because they're all Hall of Fame worthy. Ira, I'm going to ask you right now. Cut to the quick for you. You got an hour there? Uh, I'm going to have one uh, next week, my friend. I think you that's a no, Ira. I think that's you know a what no. it's going to be? It's going to be the buck game for the for the supremacy of the <laughs> NFC South wow. on Sunday uh, wow. against the surging Carolina Panthers. That'll yeah. be a bad iron burner. Any final thoughts, Ira? Final thoughts for this year, Ira? This year? 
Oh, what a year. What a year. You know, Clark, I'm going to go back to something that you said. Every time you think this COVID thing is yeah. over, yeah. I, Clark, not a day goes by. I'm serious. Not a day goes by when I don't hear that somebody came down with COVID. People I know, left and right. Now, it doesn't mean they're going in a hospital. They're not going on a ventilator. Thank God. I've had five shots already, Clark. I don't know about you. I've had five. I've had four. Um, uh, yeah, I wonder how many Ian uh, Glendon has had. But to me, COVID still, it's still the overriding issue. Uh, and and I, I pray for the day it's not. Yeah, me too. I, I, but I do think it's sort of here to stay, much like the flu. Um, unfortunately, there's still some severe cases. And as I said, my wife and I didn't have severe cases, but we had more severe cases than those we know and it, more severe than we anticipated. I want to go to one football story just for this final thought, because I didn't think I'd see this, but this is the just perfect way to close this year. And that's what's going on in Las Vegas. That story about Derek Carr. So he's benched, right? Well, in Washington, you know, Taylor Heineke was benched too. So they're both benched. Of course, starting quarterbacks get benched. Except one of those guys left the team or just, quote unquote, stepped away from the team. And, and I'll be honest with you, and I can't bring in Ian on this. I, I don't get it. I mean, <laughs> he's now going to hang around to help others. I mean, who are we kidding? <laughs> it just seems, and I like Derek Carr. I think I I've always thought he was sort of a class guy. This sounds like a move orchestrated by somebody else. If it's front office, the coaches have, I don't know, new GM, new coach. But um, this move supported by the coach. He's going to step away and, and help and support the team. How do you support the team? By stepping away. I mean, it looks like sort of a Bush League selfish move from afar. I mean, if, like if you don't get your way, you head for home. I'm going to take my toys. I'm going to go for home. I, I don't know about you, Ian, but it just – that really rankled me. Yeah, I'd say it doesn't look good. Um but, you know, kind of based on who we know Derek Carr is. And, look, I, I think his quarterback ability falls short of, of great or elite. Uh, but I think he's a pretty genuine human being and everything like this. I, I think yeah. the writing's right. been on the wall for him to be gone from Las Vegas for a while now, especially since the Raiders season obviously didn't go the way it's planned. And, and look, if you're Josh McDaniels, why are you, why are you going to hold on to a quarterback that – has once won more than uh, has once won double digit games in his career. Um, you know, again, you like the guy, but liking a guy doesn't produce on the football field, and he just hasn't done that. So, if you're the Raiders, I think it's time to move on. And I, I think he's, I, I mean, I don't know why he's leaving the team, but you know, it, it, it's not gonna. I don't think it's gonna hurt them anymore if he's there or not. Well, I. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, I was going to say, you, you know, you know, well, th this is this is probably a cost cutting move just because if they release him within three days after the Super Bowl, they're going to save forty point four million dollars uh, over the next two years. And he becomes a free agent. But I was going to ask you before you weigh in here is he becomes a free agent. But there are going to be some free agent quarterbacks out there, including your guy, Tom Brady, Jimmy G will be out there, Baker Mayfield. Where would you turn and who do you think the most likely guy is it Brady? Clark, I got a question for you about this right here. Where will Tom Brady line up under center, assuming he's going to play? And I think he will. Clark, I got five spots. You give me your spot. Las Tom Vegas. Brady. Las Tom Vegas. Brady. Las Vegas. 49ers, Raiders, Dolphins, Buccaneers, 
And I saved the best for last. A little bit intriguing, Clark. Your New York Jets. Raiders. Josh McDaniels. But you answered my question with a question. Who are you taking? Give me that question again, Clark. Where is he going to end up? Where's I say Raiders. Where are you going? I, I, I think he's going to Miami. You do. Um, and by the way, this latest rumor about Brady and Sean Payton ended up back in New, back in New Orleans. I, yeah, I, I can't no, see it. Clark. No, I, I just can't. I can't either. Well, you think he's going to Miami? We're going to 2023, Ira. That's going to do it. If you'd like to listen to this or any iTest for Two podcast, just go to our website. That would be iTestfor2.com or the mothership, which would be fullpresscoverage.com. Otherwise, Ira, otherwise, tune in next week for our reveal of the modern era class of 2023 on the iTest for Two. Thanks so much for listening and Happy New Year.